Hey Bee Tribe and welcome back to What's the Buzz. In this week's episode we discuss all things research into hoverflies, the important role that bees play and we also have a little bit of a laugh about the many different viral videos that are going around which are promoting some very interesting facts. Sit back, relax, enjoy What's the Buzz. Hey guys, and welcome back to What's the Buzz. Um, I'm your girl, Ali, and I've got my other girl in pink, Steph, joining us. How are you doing, Steph? Hey, good, and you? Yeah, good. And we have our very two special guests. We have Steve. How are you doing, Steve? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, guys. Keeping out of trouble? Uh, always. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Simon Save the Bees. How are you going, Simon? Good, thanks. Awesome. So we thought we would kind of tackle a few questions that I have been sent in and please guys continue to send them in because um, we love answering them and spreading our mass information, especially you, Steve. You're always educating me and Simon as well because I'm always learning. I don't claim to know everything. So I really enjoy learning from you guys and spreading it to all our listeners. Um, and so one thing um, we, we were talking about before we started the podcast was regards to studies um, in regards to um, hoverflies and we were touching about it that one that's currently going um, and again last podcast we talked about was my little friend who was going on at me and is continuing to go on at me that these um, that one in three mouthfuls of food we can live without bees and um, it's something that I'm still continuing to argue with and I'm now walking away because you just can't talk to them so um, so the new study is about basically hoverflies are going to be a trial pollinating crops on berry farms um, because of the varroa mite outbreak uh, what do you think about that Steve I'll throw that to you and then we can kind of discuss it to Simon and Steph yep okay so this is a hort innovation um, uh, research project and mm-hmm. I've been involved with it yep um, yeah, look, hoverflies, that, like what we touched on on the last podcast is there's hundreds, most probably even thousands of different pollinators. The problem with um, a pollinator is that we need to get volume there. So anything that we can have in a managed hive box or environment like European honeybees, TC native bees, and even um, Ostropedias, um, they're, they're another native bee as well. We can manage those. But hoverflies, we cannot breed up enough mm-hmm. to make them efficient pollinators. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's um, an interesting study. So how long do you know if the study is going to go for? I know it says the research will be led by the University of New England. Oh, and it's expected to run for three years. So... Yep. How does a study like that work? Yeah, so what they've got to do is, um, first off, they'll start in what they call an insectary, mm-hmm. you know, a laboratory, and um, they'll see, okay, is it safe to release this in an environment? So hopefully, first off, they're going to try and find a native pollinator that they're going to study. Mm-hmm. So this is a native hoverfly. Yeah. Uh, um so then they'll turn around and go, right, yes, this is suitable. Yes, it's attractive to this plant. Yes, it'll work. So then they take it to a farm um, and they may do, uh, let's, we'll say a tunnel, um, and they'll block off the tunnel and have no pollination at all in it. And yeah. then the next one, they'll block it off and have just hoverflies in it. And then the next one, they block it off and have just honeybees in it. 
Okay. And that way they can compare all three. Yeah. So one is a control with no no pollinators known in there. The next one is only hoverflies. So if they get a comparable crop to the honeybees, then they can look at it and say, well, they're on par. Yeah. Or they are better or whatever. So this is how they do the study. And then they can't just do it a one-off. They've got to do it over numerous times to actually prove that the study is um, replicated. Yeah. And therefore gives you the same result time after time. Because every time a season or something else is different, it could be different watering, different fertilisers. And that's why you record all this. So if anything changes, it's not just put onto the pollinator's fault. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, that's really interesting. That's really, yeah. um, you know, and I just think the study is interesting, especially that they're looking for ways in that varroa affected area, um, considering the loss that has happened. Now, is there any updates in regards to that? Um, not that I'm aware of. I think it's only, it's, I know it's been going for 12 months. Mm -hmm. So, um, I will not know of any results until early next year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as if I do hear of anything or I'm asked, because I usually do, I, I use, I supply the bees that go in next to them. Oh, wow. So that's why I'm involved with the study. So, um, yeah, so. Yeah. Once I hear of it, uh, there is one coming out that I've been involved with is like bees um, in tunnels or, or what we call in protected cropping. Yeah. So anything that's anything that's grown inside, either a greenhouse, a tunnel, a net, that's called protected cropping. Yeah. And it depends on the type of protection. So it could be uh, full protection, semi-protection and so on like that. Yeah, but I'm I'm heavily involved in all that sort of um, research and and experiments. Yeah, no, that's cool. Now, um, varroa mite in itself. Um, what's the what's going on in New South Wales? Is there any updates with the DPI? Oh, gee whiz, that's like um, I think I think I could send a carrier pigeon to Simon and get a, a, an answer that quicker than DPI. <laughs> um, oh gosh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, look, I can tell you there is. Um, there was supposed to be a meeting today, um, but um, I haven't been privy to that meeting yet. That's a, that's supposed to be, I think, a CCEPP meeting. Mm-hmm. I do have a high level meeting this Thursday that I have not had any information about. Yeah. Um, and then there's supposed to be a decision next Monday. Okay. Now, now this this guy's is apparently the management plan. Now, I can tell you that if I don't see the management plan before, I can't make a decision on the day. This is this is the future of beekeeping Australia. So, in other words, if we get this plan wrong, we're all stuck with it. So I'm going into this very, very hesitantly and um, very uh, wide, eyes wide open because I don't want to make a mistake. No, no, no. no that's definitely something, as you said, it's, it's the, the 
beekeeping Australia, like this is going to affect everyone yeah. from here on that, out. That's exactly, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, guys, if we, if we don't approve a tool or an idea or look at, investigate something properly, mm-hmm. this whole situation could come back to bite us on the butt. Yeah. And that's what we don't want because if we build up resistance or we become infected with viruses, we need to know how to control it and, um, and so on. Um, we used to say it in the, in the Varroa mite incursion when we first started, we've got one shot at this. We've got one shot at the um, plan as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, they, this is really important. Um, and Simon, any update on the glyphosate? Glyphosate, glyphosate, glyphosate. Someone's got cake on their mind. Yes, I think that yes. court case is still ongoing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess um, we'll find out more when that's released, um, and then. Yeah, I think there's another report that was meant to come out. Um, there's already been one report into the conduct of the APVMA. Um, and like, I think we mentioned it last time, but there's chemicals like fipronol that were meant to be um, tested or reviewed 12 years ago or, or longer ago, and they still haven't been reviewed. Um, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, that there's there's some report coming out about that quite soon. Um, The other thing that um, we may have spoken about last time that Steve brought up um, was that there's been a lot of swarming within the previous red zones. Did we chat about that? And um, and there's also been some really high mite counts or someone someone was writing to me telling me how large the mite count was. I wrote one. Is that in the swarm, Simon? Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think on the back of our last conversation, I wrote a little bit of an article saying, are Australian honeybees varroa resistant? And then sort of went into our discussions, um, leading people to the fact that we probably don't, well, we don't have the viruses yet. Um, <laughs> but... I think Steve would know more than me, but the the mite counts have been extraordinary. Um, yeah. And the hives are, are still strong enough to throw out swarms. Yep. So, yeah, the, um, you're right there, Simon. We've, uh, we've had them detected. Uh, look, uh, I looked into it. I'd been hearing rumours of up to 10,000 mites. There was one detected the other day with 5,000 mites and still going strong. It was starting to call. It was starting to slow. It's called PMS or parasitic mite syndrome. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I relate, I ladies. I relate. I knew I was going to get a laugh then. <laughs> uh, the girls, every, it seems like it goes across all walks of life and insect life, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, and, and what Simon said is exactly right. But there's two things here as we're, we said last time, is we don't have the viruses. We always knew, um, like, okay, I'm going to put it in simpler terms that people might understand it. Your dog can have fleas 
and mm-hmm. he'll survive. He'll look mangy and all that sort of thing. But you put a shell back tick on him and he could be dead within a couple of days. Yeah. Okay, so that's the thing. So we've got this, you might say, parasitic mite or, or a tick the size of a dinner plate to us on our back that while ever it's feeding off us, we're fine. But as soon as it makes us sick, that's where the problem comes in. So now talking about that, and yes, there's still a lot of concern about getting semen sent in and um, uh, this is the quickest way to bring it or introduce it. I've also heard, and I'm, I'm asking for, I have not heard or I cannot find it at the moment, but I've been told that the viruses will survive in honey, a little bit like AFE spores. Um, so the only thing that kills it in honey is when it's what we call pasteurised. And all honey that's supposed to be imported into Australia is supposed to be pasteurised. But is it? Anyway, I've asked that question. Oh, that's a good question because um, how can you have pasteurised honey and then still call it organic? Is is there? A, can you do that, pasteurise it and still call it organic? No. Okay. All right. So organic honey is not allowed to be heated over 40 degrees. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, it, it's a, um, a plus or minus two degrees from 37. Um, I cold extract or, or I extract at 36 degrees, um, which really slows my process down. So you are right, Simon. So when we talk about pasteurise, it's, uh, uh, if I remember rightly, it's about 45 to 50 degrees temperature for three hours is what it's held at. Um, because oh, what right. I'm, um, you know, been annoyed at, like we all have for years, is that one of the brands of honey that sells a lot um, at the supermarket is Cloverdale organic honey imported from, you know, somewhere unknown uh, yep. that we're not given on the label. Um, yep. So I, I've always wondered if it's pasteurised, how, how can they call it organic? So... Obviously, well, that's right. Hopefully, that changes, and and they can't can't call that imported stuff organic anymore. Well, I, I had a uh, another, you might as well say, high level meeting last night along the same lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, last yeah, last week on the same lines. Like, look, um, I believe that as a customer, you get what you pay for. If you um, if it is organic certified, not organic called. If it's organic certified, then it must be within the specs, and that's how it should be treated. Now I'm also on standards Australia, and they're the sorts of things that we are pushing for. So at the end of the day, um, you're right, Simon. Like, look, I think it's misleading and it's not good to our industry when people are not uh, supplying uh, what is really um, people think they are buying. Oh, 100%. And that's something me and Steph, when we go to markets, um, you know, we have a lot of support and we are so thankful for that. But then you get your couple of people who do try and challenge you that they can buy, you know, their cheap, you know, squeezy bottles from the supermarket. And we're like, but it's not 
look in the back of the pack and I saw um one particular brand um and they were selling a squeezy bottle I think it was like 300 grams for 14 dollars and I was like and it's not even from Australia it had the back of the pack it said package in Australia and then it had like couldn't even say where it's from and I'm just like this is how can they call this raw honey it's probably sugar syrup or something well you're you're right and this is what I'm trying to maybe I'm a little bit out of out of my area, but I, I'm the squeaky wheel. I'm trying to say that if you go in and ask for a steak, you get a steak. You don't get a, a pork chop. No. All right. So then that's exactly it. Like if you ever get a chance, if you are in Sydney Airport next time, not the international one. I wasn't there. I was just on the domestic. And it's selling, um, there was honey there selling for $167 or $157 oh my for goodness. 200 grams. What honey was that? Did it have the gold flex in it? <laughs> um, just had a gold label on the front. But you, you're exactly right. What are they getting? Like, what are they getting? And, you know, like, so that, look, uh, the meeting I was in last week was with ACCC. Yeah, and um, this is the sorts of thing. So, um, I want to tie to control on the honey. So, in other words, if you say it's manuka honey, um, we've got about three different numerals that appear on the front of um, on the front of a, a jar, and it could be um, MGO. Um, uh, I can't think of the other two, but there's all different ones. And sometimes you'll see manuka plus five. But then you'll see plus 500 um, and then someone else has got 1500. And when it comes to buying things like this, it's a bit like a kid. Like if you hold a $50 note out or a handful of silver, they want to take the handful of silver that's only a dollar, you know, because it looks more better than a $50 note. And this is, it's a, yeah, I'd like to see, a standardised, if it's manuka honey or, as Simon says, if it's organic certified honey, then we want to get that. If it's raw honey, if it's unfiltered honey, give us what we are paying for. Yeah, completely agree. Because there's a, been a, it seems like the honey industry is quite unregulated a lot. It's, it's, no, it's not unregulated. It's very, very hard to regulate it because there's no pinch points. Mm. Yeah. That is that is the biggest problem. you got 20 different places that are all supposed to run under the rules, but only one or two people who can go around and check them. Yeah. And, yeah, like we're, we're seeing, like all this stuff that's coming into the country, um, either A, dumped here or adulterated here or whatever, Um yeah, it's no different than how things get into through our borders. It's because we don't have enough people to police it. Yeah, no, that's yeah, completely correct. That's why I think it's really important to get to know your local beekeeper and have a chat to them and really buy buy support local and support your local beekeeper because at least we know what you're getting. So we know our girls, right, Steph? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. 
Yeah. About that, I know we touched on this many, many pods ago. Simon, we did you have a meeting with um, you know, one of your aunts about the honey? Oh, that they no, I haven't ta- tackled them yet. Like, okay, I did, I did contact them though, and they said they did use imported honey. Um, and yeah, that um, obviously. It, it, it begs the question how they can call their product Australian if they're using imported honey. Um, so, yeah, that's something, you know, I'm happy for your girls, you girls to go to the supermarket or, or buy some and do a reels on it or something. But we should, um, yeah, we, sh- we should try to manifest a campaign there. Um, yeah, I, I mean... I'm all up for eating some biscuits, but <laughs> like, are you giving me permission? Especially like Tim Tams. <laughs> because, um, yeah, Steve would know the difference, but like a lot of commercial beekeepers have um, heated honey that they um, want to get rid of commercially. And, um, and I believe that there's like a plethora of it out there, but the price difference may between the imported honey um, or the imported syrups and and the Australian cooked honey is only you know a dollar or a dollar fifty or something. So um, I mm. think Arnott's could definitely afford it. And calling a shortage of Australian honey is completely false, as far as I've heard. Interesting. Well, whenever we see the um, kilo price go down, wholesale price, <clears throat> and they're telling us that there's an oversupply. Um, I, I think that Arnott's could negotiate with certain pack houses um, and get what we call um, industrial honey. Our industrial honey is anything that's used for manufacture, right? Mm. Um, so it's not um, made from robotic bees or something like that or machines. But uh, And that industrial honey could be... Yes, Simon, you're right. Heated to, uh, not burnt, but heated above um, what we call table grade. Um, or it could contain AFE spores of very low levels. Now, AFE doesn't affect humans, so there's no dramas there. But this is where you use it. What, what happens is you use it in cooking and you cook most of the honey out, to be honest. With the AFE, just going back mm-hmm. to that, um, and I know we spoke about that a couple of pods ago again as well with the antibiotic use. So if, for example, and I know this is we're kind of going, switching around, but if they are using antibiotic and treating their bees for AFB, yep. that would go into the honey. Yes. That, like the antibiotics would get into the honey too along with the AFB spores and then they're selling that. Is that that's, that that's just seems well, all kinds of wrong. The problem with um, teramycin, yeah, or and I'm going to get it wrong. It's oxyterracinamide or something like that. OTC for short. Um, it's an S4 drug, mm-hmm. right? Therefore, we actually use it in antibiotics for humans. Yeah, and the problem is that if you get it in low quantities and um, anywhere else, if, if you use it for a veterinary reason, it has to have a script for it. It's an S4-controlled substance. Therefore, if you are to use it in bees, you have to have a script for it. It has to have a script from a vet to be able to use it. Yeah. So you're, you're right. And, look, I've been told that 
after six months, it's not um, traceable. I've also been told that if you have the right um, detection um, equipment, then you can. It never breaks down. I think what happens, it gets diluted. That's most probably be a better word. doesn't break down. It may be diluted. So technically, um, I know there was a study, gee whiz, I think it was about three years ago now, of honeys on, on supermarket shelves, A for AFB and B for OTC. Now, no OTC was detected that I know of, but there was a fair few that were detected with AFB spores in them. Now, that could be also and you know from markets from internet sales as well because they won't be packaged in a certain way and this is why people have to be very very careful that they never ever uh, feed open feed honey from um, an, an unknown source you might as well say back to bees that come and visit them yes Steph and I are big oh on. yes right. and apparently we so are- it's fine yeah it's fine for us to eat Right, and consume, and yeah, if you're consuming it like birds in a cage and you can, your birds eat it straight away or you've got possums and they eat it straight away, no problems. But putting it out for bees to come and forage, it's a big no-no. Um, on that, which I've, there's someone sent me a viral video of a girl in America. <laughs> that, um... Oh, yes, Steph showed yes. me this one. Is... Um, I actually contacted her and she ignored me. Yeah, I, I sort of wrote to her too. But in America, they open feed all the time. It's just standard for them to open feed. And um... But it's it's also, if you have a look at America, AFB is just absolutely rife over there and they open feed drugs. So for those people who haven't seen it, um, it's a, basically a girl pretty much open feeding a bucket of honey is that right yeah, she yeah. was cleaning up the scraps she was leaving yep. out the the scraps for her bees to clean up and yep she was also I, I think it's the same video but she's also um you know explaining when i watched a bit further to to people that she wants to um fatten them up before winter or they feed them um to get through the winter um but at the same time yeah, it was, it was amazing how they were training her. Like, she was making quite amazing content in terms of um, novices watching it because she'd even go out the next day and all the bees would be crowding around her wanting to be fed um, because she was training them Yeah, up. she was um, creating robbing behaviours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and um, that's another thing that people don't understand what they're doing. Like... So when you read her comments, so if you go to the post and if you read her comments, people have asked her lots and lots of questions. She actually states that she is n- not been a beekeeper for as long as um, others and she states that she's a novice. So therefore, mm. she's giving this advice that has gone absolutely viral and she's a freaking yep. novice beekeeper that doesn't know what she's freaking doing. And here are so many beekeepers telling her how wrong it is and um, all that sort of stuff. And she's not taking it on board. All she cares about it is this stupid viral video, even though she is promoting such unethical and illegal in other countries behavior. 
you know, it's not only the sharing of disease, it's, you know, rubbing behaviours as well. Like, there were so many wrong things with that video. And and this is exactly right. Like, a lot of people... Now, I understand we all start off as novices, right? So uh, the, the very few people who don't, and let's start right back at the start, the very few people who don't start off as novices are people who are born into a beekeeping family, right? Now, they get to grow up. Now, a lot of us, we all discovered at some time in our life, whether we're a kid or um, wherever, wherever we discover it, we discover it. And what happens is I, I'm, I'm most probably critical at times, and this is what, and I, what I love about what you girls do with education and what Simon's done and what this podcast does. Because I know there's people who turn around and go, oh, I don't need to go and get a mentor. If people really wanted to get into beekeeping in a big way, they don't have to get a mentor, but join a club or association or gather with people of like-minded. That way, if you've got a problem, you can ask. Or if you want to do something, you can ask. Yeah. So when I've got a problem, I don't get on the, well, some people do, get on the Dr. Google and say, my leg just dropped off. What do you reckon <laughs> happened? Right? No. <laughs> yeah. You know, I go to a doctor because they've got the credentials. Now, this is the thing. They jump on beekeeper Google and go, oh, well, she's feeding, so I'll do it. They, they forget. And it's the same as when they buy a book. They don't look where that book is written. Is that book written in the Northern Hemisphere or the Southern Hemisphere? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So these are all things that people overlook. They're little things, but they are very detrimental to everyone else around. And exactly right. Like instead of taking it on board and saying, hey, this is wrong, it's viral, but we need to take it down because it's illegal, or stating this is America or this is wherever, what. Wh- Whatever. The whole thing is, at the end of the day, um, their laws off their country or where they're beekeeping and don't just follow anyone. And look, grab a mentor, grab someone locally, look up, there's beekeeping clubs everywhere that are willing to, and I'm not saying commercial guys are are usually looking for uh, a worker. We don't have the time... um, when we're training people, and that that's sad. I, I I love I love education. I love teaching people. But hey, a backyard or a farm, a garden, farm garden, or or community garden. That's the proper word. Um, they've usually got someone there who will have a beehive or know someone that has a beehive. And some of these guys were commercial. Some of these guys had just been keeping one or two hives for years and years, and they know a vast amount of knowledge about it, and that's the best way they can learn. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very true. But that, and let so me that tell... chick really, yeah. really annoyed me. For one, she's a big content creator, but two, not one, not two, not ten, not twenty, Hundreds of people were commenting on it, saying that this needs to be taken down. It's it's the wrong advice to be giving. And still she yep. ignored every single comment because the video went viral and made her 
famous, I guess you want to say. Inverted. It, let's let's and say monopoly yep, famous. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's wrong. It is well, I think she would have also made a lot of money because I oh, God, yeah. clicked on her um, page and she was making, I think, um, you know, body butter or something out of out of the beeswax and um, yeah, and yeah, there was another video last year that I thought was interesting. I don't know if you saw it that people were sending me, and that was sort of these little clay pots that were painted with fluoro colours on them. And they were marketed as drinking stations for. I have yes, seen that. Yes. yes. And that person just made millions overnight, and um, that that fascinated me. And they were like saying, "Well, we've chosen these fluoro colours to attract the the bees," you know. And a lot of the signs that they were proclaiming is obviously completely wrong. You know, bees aren't going to be attracted to water because it's a, a fluoro colour. Um, no, and um, even you know we know if we're putting water out for bees, you need it to be there consistent, uh, consistently. Like on a hot day, the water in these sort of stations that this this girl was selling would you know um, last you know an hour in the hot sun. Um, well, a, a decent beehive will go through two liters of water a day. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, it's about the so, same amount as us. But yes, no, I I saw that um, because a lot of people did tag me on the, those fluoro-coloured um, bee cups. I'm like, just put out a bowl of water with some wine cork. Yeah. Like that is, I, I don't, and I think they were charging quite a fair amount of money for that as well. Like those bee cups, I think it was like four for a hundred dollars or something. Yeah, yeah I know, we it was like 4.5 million views or it's, it was astronomical at the time. Um, yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah. No, that is, that was really um, the ideas that some people do come up with and the way that they market is, I've got to hand it to them, it is genius. I just, um, I just, yeah, people like the pretty things, I well, think. The other one that went, um, we could do a whole thing on things that have gone viral, but was. Yeah. Um, a girl claiming that bee pollen had made her breast bigger. And <laughs> then huge... We're not going down that road again. Watch out for the frame minute. <laughs> yes. It's huge fat. Pre- I'm telling you, the frame mantis would like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he was saying something. Well, I don't know. I'd like I, I can't try it, but um um yeah, I don't know if, if you've <laughs> caught that trend in America, but um, the anecdotal evidence all these girls were saying was that it was working. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to know their studies and how they were. Well, look, I read the comments and, and that was one of the things. It was anecdotal evidence. There hadn't been any, you know, it was only before and after pictures that these girls were posting. <laughs> Um, rather okay. than um, any scientific studies on it. Um, no, okay. Well, I mean, that's an interesting one. Like, were they? Did they? Do you know how much of a cup size they were proclaiming <laughs> they went up? I'm just, you know, asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> one, one hand or two. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's very interesting no that's the first time you know what i'm, I'm gonna have to get on the google and look well i just up. thought it must have been one of these clever um american sort of bee, com- bee 
pollen companies that um, that thought what an interesting way to be able to get their product out there and um, and yeah, yeah, I think the, the sales definitely would have, it would have been effective for sure. Yeah, now, definitely. Now I'm going to throw something in because you all know I love to read books and I read a lot of history mm-hmm. and um, done um, some tests with royal jelly. And there's some very promising research that come out of that on uh, children who had um, certain, um, and I, I can't remember what it was, but there was certain things that was happening and they started feeding people um, royal jelly and it actually improved. It didn't cure, it improved them. Now, the reason being is what they think and I've asked a few people, have they gone back there? No, they haven't. So what they think is when a person is, de- or a baby is developing or a, per- um, a child is developing, is the best time because royal jelly promotes the production of, like, hyperproduction of everything. Like, if you look at a queen, um, how she can go from, um, an egg to a queen within 16 days is just phenomenal. Um, and like her ovaries are developed, her size is developed and so on. So what I'm saying is that this little bee is not just a pollinator. It's not just a honey giver. This bee could be, and we've seen now that they have been doing bee venom for breast cancer. That's the only relation I can bring into breast, but um bee venom it, it is actually attacking certain cam- uh, certain cancers yes so pollen could i'm not going to say enlarge but um eating pollen substitutes or using um for propolis um for wound healing and yada 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 i think we have not even scratched the surface of this amazing little insect no, it and I agree. Like I think that um, I think Australia actually founded that study of um, the bee venom and breast cancer because I remember that you know being spoken about, and it's just yeah, our bees are so important. Well, like, I, they're all pollinated. I think the yeah. mystics, like oh, when I'd make claims like that by sharing, um, you know. Different articles from the past, um, in, you know, any claims about um, bee venom and cancer, I was shot down as fake news um, quite often. But a lot of these ancient healers did claim that there would be these, um, you know, amazing health benefits from bees. And so mm-hmm. it's like the scientists are really catching up to the mystics. And um, yeah. it was a WA scientist. Um, that had had worked that out um but i did notice in the study they said that they can synthetically make the is it melatonin or yeah uh, yeah, melatonin. Um, yep. yeah so you don't actually have to kill the bees or or um extract the venom to 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 do it but um i'd be off the thoughts that the best way to probably get bee venom is by getting stung yeah yeah yeah, well, I feel like I'm half a bee with the amount. Actually, my ankle would have to be a super ankle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ankle, man. Oh, I yeah. my ankle something chronic, eh? 
yeah, yeah. I, I, we were actually t- discussing that. Like, is my ankle just tagged for life? Like, it's just the one ankle they go for. Like, is it just a particular scent that they just know that that she's just been stung so many times in that ankle? <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm glad it's my ankle and not anywhere else. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, and the, I guess the only other thing I wanted to kind of touch on, and we don't, like we've spoken about it before, but having a look at a closer look at like, your minor pests for bees. And that's, um, so correct me if I'm, bruella, is that, is that how you say it? Because we haven't, it, it came up from bruella or bee lice. Is that, Brola. you know. Oh, bruella. Bru- bru- yeah. How do you say it? Brola. Brola? Yep. Okay. Barola fly. Barola fly. So we don't have it that we know of in Queensland, but it was detected um, in New South Wales when they were looking for Varroa. What is that? Like, is that a mite as well or is it a lice? Does it drop off? Like, what should our beekeepers, and that's a question I had, what should beekeepers be looking for and how do they treat that if they do find it? Okay. All right, so Barula fly, let's go back in history. Come into Tasmania and about, and, uh, gee whiz, was it 1970s, I think. It might have been earlier. Anyway, so it was first detected in Tasmania. Um, so it is a wingless fly, louse, mm-hmm. that what it does, it um, doesn't feed off the bee, but it gets around the mouth parts of the bee, and as they're being fed, they start taking the nutrition from there. And more prevalent on queens because the queens are, um, they are fed by other nurse bees. So whereas the nurse bees feed themselves. So any bee that comes along, drones that don't feed themselves, um, they like to hang around their mouth parts. So that's what they eat. So instead of getting a mouthful of food, the bee now or the queen now is only getting a fraction of that food. So it can shorten the queen's um, life so it, um, span down. So it hangs by her mouth? Is that it hangs around their mouth. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Is it Pretty, the same as a varroa at the same size? or uh, A little bit smaller. Yeah. Uh, pretty hard to look Oh, no, they're a bit bigger, actually. Sorry. A bit bigger, but unless you know what you're looking for, you'll miss it. Right. Right. And that, no, when I say that, a lot of people, uh, you've got to be really, really vigilant when you're in a beehive. Yeah. Now, because there is another one, and sorry, um, digressing a little bit here. There's a, a pollen mite that looks very, very similar to a varroa mite. Yeah. Right. So that's where a lot of mistakes have been made. But anyway, so varroa fly first come into Tasmania. Uh, it wasn't, it, yes, it was detected in New South Wales, but it wasn't uh, from New South Wales. It was found on bees that had just come up from Victoria. So right. there has been an outbreak um, found in Victoria. And what they believe is there is package bees that go from Tasmania to Tullamarine, I think, is it, Simon? Yeah. It's a major, is a, yeah, it's a major uh, freight hub. And they think that's where maybe some bees have escaped from there and it's got away. So about 500-odd hives got euthanized via um, freezing 
last year in Victoria. And then when the load was found, or two loads were found in New South Wales with ruler fly, uh, they were sent back to Victoria. And subsequently, they haven't been found any again. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, damage to the hive, what they do is if you do cut comb or chunk comb, um, the little larvae burrow underneath the caps and they put these veins all over. And the quickest way to um, kill them is to freeze your honey and that kills all larvae. Oh, okay. That's, that's interesting and something that, I, again, I thought was worth noting for people, you know, we should be all checking our bees and checking for everything nowadays. Um, but, yeah, I thought that's, yeah, so that's, so it sits by the mouth of really predominantly the queen, not the other bees. That's well, all, all the drones. Yeah, so they'll hang around anything where they're feeding each other, mm-hmm. but usually the queen's the main one. That they've been, I think the the biggest amount is about fourteen around the queen. Holy wow! Yeah, so she's not getting any nutrients at all. Yeah. So that's where it becomes a problem. Um, speaking to some people or beekeepers in Tasmania. They're really not a big issue. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like it would be a different story if they fed on the bee and transmitted viruses. There's no viruses associated, just that they eat, eat the honey before the bee can get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's – yeah, that that would suck for the queen. Like I'm sitting there thinking, imagine like you thinking you're going to get a tasty treat and then yeah. – sudden you have to share that with your mate hanging off your mouth (laughs) (laughs) actually that'd be somewhat good during christmas time (laughs) i shouldn't say that i'd be like oh yeah oh yeah i'll have some chocolate no my mate just got it so you get you kind of cranky wouldn't it Yeah, it would make you really cranky. It would. Like, imagine if you're really hungry, right? And then, like, well, there's this beautiful piece of chocolate cake and you're like, oh, I worked so hard for that. I've been laying 2,000 eggs a day. And then all of a sudden that cake just goes to your mate. Like, (laughs) you would be hangry. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. (laughs) No. And then then to think you don't just have one mate, then there's 14 of them hanging off the side of your Wow. So what would you do? So how do you treat that? Um, usually, uh, I don't know of any treatments. Okay. But, um, yeah, all I know is that they, they freeze a comb. It stops it that way. Um, and as I said, they've never had a real issue. I'll have to find that out. I'll, I'll, I'll look into treatments for you. Yeah, you're just wondering, like, if you see a, a queen bee with, you know, all, all on her mouth, like, you'd want to help help your sister out a bit, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I would. I'd feel real sorry for her. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. All right. That's that's interesting. So they, I'm very interested and thanks for those questions um, that have been coming in. Well, guys, well, we'll wrap it up and we'll leave it for this one because it's been a very interesting podcast again. We've gone from all kinds and we have circled back to my pre-mantis friend. <laughs> so if you hadn't heard that story, listen to the last pro, the last podcast that we did. That, that was an interesting one. <laughs> but thanks so much, Simon, Steph um, and Steve thanks. for your time. And we'll be 
back next week to discuss your questions. Make sure that you do write them in to us. We love answering them. Um, and make sure you subscribe if you want to keep listening to all our jokes and our facts and what's happening in the Australian beekeeping world. See you guys.